Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallum. Have you ever wanted to play golf yet? We're reluctant to try golf because of your blindness. Well, today we've invited both a blind golfer and his wife to come on and explain just how the blind golfer himself plays this fun and challenging sport. The cable TV station known as Spectrum News 13 says that the blind golfer is Phil Hubbard. So we've brought both Phil Hubbard and his wife, Patty Angel, to explain how she has supported her husband and how he's even supported himself, Phil, with this exciting pursuit. Hi, Phil and Patty. Hello. Hi, Brian. So tell us about yourselves. Well, uh, we've been married now 17 years, and we have seven children between us and 17 grandchildren. Um, We work together in our business. Um, we love to travel. We love to go play golf. We just, you know, basically like hanging out with each other all the time. Good thing. Living good a thing. good life. <laughs> yes, sir. So let's talk about golfing, Phil. You go to Glen Abbey Golf Club in Dabari, Florida. You go to the 12th tee box. You approach that tee box at the golf course with a big smile. Why do you make a big smile when you approach that hole? Well, number 12 at Glen Abbey is a par three. And I always smile on that hole because I've got two hole-in-ones and they both happened on that hole. Score! (laughs) You're dreaming about making that hole-in-one, Phil. You heard, as you mentioned, and I've heard from you, that the hole in one has been made twice. You were one of two people that made the hole in one at that 12 T box in November of 2018. How did you score the hole in one twice as a blind person? Well, honestly, a lot of luck, (laughs) without a doubt. Um, It's a very difficult part three. Even for a visual player, because um, you're hitting over a lake onto a green from the tee box. Um, with me having so little sight, I don't I don't have to take in all the surroundings. Um, that particular day, it was just fate. Um, the coach I had lined me up, hit the ball, and went in the hole. All right, Patty. Phil called you on the phone when he made that first hole in one. He was hysterical on the phone. What was going through your mind? Well, it was hard to understand what he was saying. And I've got this, you know, immediately I started thinking, oh, my God, something's wrong. What has happened? Has he broken his leg? Has, has an accident occurred? And then when he finally told me, I was just like, oh, my God. I, I, I was crying right along with him. Crying happily. Definitely. Oh, my goodness. You, but you thought your husband broke his leg at the time. But <laughs> yeah, I thought it had to be something. He made the hole in one. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
it had been I had been playing for 18 years up to that point, and I've gotten close, but you know, it finally happened. So the excitement was all there. So let's go on to the day before Halloween of last year. You played another 18 at that same golf course. Are you referring to playing 18 holes? And can you just talk more about that event? Yes. Uh, Glen Abbey is what uh, us golfers refer to as a home course. Um, I play in a league there every Wednesday. Um, you know, usually rain or shine. Um, it was a league day. I was playing. I was playing very well. Um, again, you know, you have great days, you have bad days. And it was, uh, you know, medium, mediocre type of day playing golf. Um, got to the 12th hole. I had that big smile on my face. Again, uh, this is my hole in one. Um, the guys I play with uh, always tease me. They're like, here, hey, Phil, here's your money hole. Time for you to hit another hole in one. I'm joking. Um, and on this particular day, um, I just happened to hit another hole in one. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, uh, same, it's the same hole um, twice. Um, but I don't, I don't really care. It's still a hole in one. We're going to talk more about your vision for a second, but we got a lot of blind listeners out there who want to play golf for themselves. What advice, tips would you give them? Well, probably the most important tip for blind golf is you have to find someone who will be as passionate about the sport as you are. Um, to, to play blind golf, it's a two-person sport. Um, a regular golf for sighted individuals. It's a single player, and he has to make all the decisions, make all the adjustments. But in blind golf, it takes two. Um, I've all, I tell people to uh, always visit their local municipal type golf courses, um, to go to uh, local where I live. We, we have like the PGA Superstore or Golf Galaxy, who has golf tech to get lessons, to learn how to swing the golf club. But, you know, but for a blind player who's passionate, um, to also try to find other blind individuals or visually impaired individuals to team up with to play the game. That's the easiest way I can get them to, you know, around the course to get them to fall in love with the sport. But it's definitely a two-person sport. So it's definitely a two-person sport because you need a sighted guide to just help you Okay, do I have the club in the right position? Am I about? Am I going to swing the right way, or am I going to swing it wrong and then hit the golf ball in my face? So, all right, Phil, let's talk about your vision for a little bit. You've suffered from Stargardt's disease for over three decades. What's Stargardt's disease? Uh, Stargardt's is a form of macular degeneration. Uh, you have a wet form and a dry form. Um, the wet form usually attaches itself to seniors in our older section of the population. Stargardt's is usually called juvenile macular degeneration. Um, it can hit you, uh, from what I understand, as early as six and up. Um, I started noticing my eyesight deteriorating when I was around 16, 17. Um, I was diagnosed at 20. It took it took me a few years to get into the doctor and, and really try to figure out what was going on. Um, but I was diagnosed with Stargardt in August of uh, 1987. 
So when you die, were diagnosed with Stargardt's, what did the doctors do? Well, honestly, 1987, they didn't do a whole lot. Um, they gave me a magnifying glass and a pair of reading glasses and said, you know, well, this is about the best we can do for you. Um, technology had not caught up with us yet. Not like it has now. Um, so, you know, first couple of years of my eyesight was a struggle. Um, but, you know, it's a struggle for everybody. Mm -hmm. Did they ever give you any treatment years later? Um, no, they, it's uh, because of the, the disease is hereditary and it affects the retinas uh, so vastly. Um, they felt that any type of anything they could do would make the situation worse because it would just continue to make more and more scars on my retina. So they just, you know, really they did nothing. You know, they gave me medication, you know, you should take more vitamins of this, you should take stuff, you know, for your eyes to help, you know, that type of thing, blood flow. But as condition-wise, there's really nothing that they can do. Uh, have they ever told you it may get worse? Yes. At that point, the doctor told me that through, you know, through my life, it would progressively get worse to a point. And then they said one day it would just stabilize. Um, I've, I've yet to really have that part of it stabilized. Uh, when I first diagnosed, I was 2250 and now I'm up to 2700. So it's been a few years. Uh, it hasn't moved a lot in the last four or five years. We're kind of hoping right now it's starting to stabilize. Um, they did tell me that I should never go totally blind. So, you know, we're hopeful for that. Not to those extremes. Um, but they, but the doctors have told you that playing golf, they recommended you play golf to improve your depth perception. How, why do did they think golf would improve your depth perception? Well, they they wanted me to work on something that would help me with my depth perception. That's one of the biggest problems that I have with Stargardt's is um, with a little bit of sight I do have. There's just, there's just no depth there for me to tell how things are close or far away. So they wanted me to pick up something to work on that. Now I had been working with other sports at that, you know, at that time and I wanted to do something different. So I decided to, you know, pick up golf. I had always halfway enjoyed it. Um, going out with my brother to the driving range kind of thing, but I never really got that serious about it. And then I just was, I just happened to be at a yard sale one day and they had an old set of left-handed clubs I bought because I'm a lefty and um, I kind of fell in love with it. And then it, it just blossomed from there. We're going to get back into your wife helping you out with golf in a second. But um, Patty, yeah. your husband has encountered difficulties and they've become frustrating to him because they're also frustrating for you. Tell us about that. Well, when he becomes frustrated, um, you know, I'll see him trying to make a shot and he gets frustrated because he can't figure out what he's doing wrong and he can't see where the ball is going. And as much as I describe it, you know, it's not as good as being able to really see what he's doing wrong. I'm not a golf pro. I play, but I don't play well. And I'm all he's got right now. So I will get frustrated because he is frustrated and it just, I can't 
tell him what he needs to know exactly how he needs to hear it. And that is just very frustrating for me. He has always attempted to do everything, everything imaginable, uh, whether it's golf or when he graduated college, it was, it was always me wanting to help him accomplish as much as he could possibly do whatever he wants to do. But when it comes to golf, I'm not so good at golf. So I feel like I can only tell him so much about it. How do you help him with golfing? You're right there with him, Patty. How do you help him? How do you help him line up? Um, make sure he hits the ball right. Um, how do you help him with this? Well, he has he has taught me the fundamentals of golf so that I can go out and I can swing the club, hit the ball, know how to line myself up. So in order for me to help him, I have to know those things. And I will help him with how to place his feet. I'll stand behind him and point across his shoulder so that he knows the direction of the flag. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about the shot because that's important. And I can tell him things, and then he gives me feedback to help me actually help him. So, oh, okay, this is going to be uphill. Well, then we know we need to hit it harder. And once I get his feet lined up and the ball, he knows where the ball is. He'll take a practice swing, step up to it, and then we make sure he's still lined up. And then he can go ahead and swing the club. And I'll tell him, you know, you need to close the face of the club or open the face of the club. We try to have the same verbiage so that when we're going to tournaments and stuff, we're saying the same thing and he understands what I'm talking about. Ooh, tournaments. We're going to talk about a special golf tournament coming up soon in 2021 that you're planning, Phil. But, um, you know, um, I think um, that Patty, you're a good wife to Phil. After <laughs> all, she's your best friend. Right, Phil? Right. Definitely my best friend. Now, you want to play golf with a sort of purpose, Phil. You're planning a very special golf tournament just for visually impaired golfers this coming February. Tell us more about what this tournament is all about and how you're speaking out to make it happen. Well, Brian, uh, I'm a member of the United States Blind Golf Association, and we have members all through the country. And we play international also, you know, over in Europe and Japan and Australia, uh, when we have the ability to do so. Um, this year, um, you know, for the last year, for, you know, for 2020, due to COVID, all of the blind events that we do for ourselves and that we put on for juniors, uh, junior clinics, adult clinics, you know, to spread the game of golf, you know, all that stuff has been canceled. Uh, 2021 you know, is start of a new year, so um, we decided to start it out with a tournament here in Florida uh, at my local club there in uh, DeBerry, Florida, to you know basically you know, to kick off the season. Um, we have you know multiple uh, blind organizations here in the state of Florida. Now, Florida has great weather during the winter, um, so my course knows about me because, you know, I pretty much have forced myself into their lives. <laughs> um, but, you know, other courses in Florida, 
Uh, I'm sure there has to be other blind players or visually impaired players. And to get that word out you know, to all of them, we decided to put on a tournament in, you know, tournament in February to um, really get the word out, you know, to let them know just because you've lost your eyesight doesn't mean you can't play this game anymore. Whether you played before you lost your eyesight or if you just want to pick the game up after you lost your eyesight like I did. You know, it's a great sport. It's a fun way to be outside. It's a fun way to get exercise. It's a great way to meet people because I've met so many wonderful people. Now, if there are COVID restrictions still in place, um, how do you plan to accommodate for that, for this tournament? Yes, with the, uh, with the restrictions that we have here in Florida, the regulations that we have, um, thankfully, you know, on a golf course, uh, when you're outside, um, you don't have to wear the mask. Um, they do ask that you still socially distance, you know, the six feet on the golf course. Uh, the majority of our golf courses want you to be one player per golf cart. But in our case, because of the speciality of our, uh, situation that we have to have someone drive the golf cart for us, they, uh, they let those rules go, you know, so that we can still play golf. Uh, my golf course has worked, you know, hand in hand, making sure that all the preparations are going to be there. You know, that everything that we need to do to keep everybody safe is going to be there. Um, so other than that, hotels and restaurants, when our individuals get here, you know, they'll just have to comply with those regulations. So Phil, what else is in the future of golf for you? Well, for me, I want to continue to do my tournament here in Florida every year. Um, for me, I have several tournaments I'm playing in this year. Tell me about your bucket list. Um, my, my main bucket list thing is so I want to play in all 50 states. And as of right now, I'm about 25 states in. Um, that That's part of our traveling that we love to do so much. Um, we, you know, we get to travel to golf courses. We get to travel to other states and play, especially, you know, travel and meet other people. Because generally when I try to go and play in other areas, I always try to meet up with somebody else, you know, another blind player or meet up with someone who, you know, wants to learn more about blind golf. That's fabulous, Phil. We wish you the best of luck. Um, any additional advice you both would offer future golfers? Anything else you would like to add? Well, golf is a difficult game. It teaches you a lot, a lot about life itself. You know, you make a bad shot, you make a bad decision. You learn from it. Um, there's consequences for every little thing, little, every little action that you do. Uh, if you don't stand right, don't putt right, you know, you're not going to get the outcome that you desire. And in life, you can use those type of tools to know to make the right decisions. Um, you know, sometimes the right decision isn't always going to get you the best results that you want for that moment. But it's patience. Individuals, you know, who have played the game and lost their eyesight, they need to know that they can still play. And then individuals who want to learn to play know that it's difficult, but they can do it. And it's worth the effort to do so. Phil and Patty, continue following your golf passions. And thanks so much for joining us today and just inspiring our listeners to consider 
playing golf. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. We appreciate it. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash ah dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at speaking-out-4-blind.podcast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. We are Friends in Art. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We sing, compose songs and poems, play musical instruments, read and write books, paint pictures, and take photographs. We are playwrights, potters, sculptors, weavers, and storytellers. We are members of the audience and patrons of art museums. We celebrate beauty in all that surrounds us. We are Friends in Art. Join us in the Art Parlor for stimulating interviews, thoughtful conversations, and the latest art-related information beginning each Saturday at 8 p.m. on ACB Radio Mainstream. Hi, this is Daryl Lukes. I'm inviting you to join me for the Classical Show every Wednesday starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on ACB Radio Cafe with an interactive experience. Each week I'll be playing some great classical music for you. Everything from solo chamber works to large-scale symphonies. Composers from Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms all the way through Stravinsky, Vaughan Williams, and Copeland. It's all on The Classical Show, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I hope you'll join me on ACB Radio Cafe with an interactive experience. Hello, this is Dan Spoon, President of the American Council of the Blind. I just want to give a big hip, hip, hooray out there to our tremendous membership that does such a great job. You're listening to ACB Radio Mainstream. Learn more about us at our website, www.acbradio.org.